Would you care to step outside? Who did it to this? Superman. Who are you? The lesser of has to Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Brings are back, bitches! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of DC on RMD, Titans Edition on Rain Man Digital. We are live right now on Twitch like we are every week. But as always, you can check out our past episodes of DC on RMD or any other of the Rain Man digital episodes on demand via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify by searching DC on RMD. Hit the subscribe, hit the like, leave us a review. I'm Steven, and today I have David. Hello. And Lauren. Hello. And Paul. Hey. And we will be talking about... Titans Season 3, Episode 4, Blackfire, directed by Millicent Shelton again, and written by Stephanie Coggins, uh, which was a new name. I don't think I had seen that one pop up. No, I think she's one of the newer writing staff. Yeah, so this was interesting, I think, compared to the last couple of episodes, because we, we really focused... A good chunk, it was, I kind of broke up my notes here in like thirds because a good chunk of it was really around Corey um, and kind of what's going on in her world. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, the the team is having a hard time with this death. Yeah, I mean, you got a house full of mourning and self-blame. Yes. Yeah. It it makes sense and I like seeing that. Oh, yeah. I like, I like getting that exploration of the characters. 100%. Because it creates great character development yeah and i you know we see each character dealing with it in their own way and of course uh don's going to take it arguably the hardest because you know they were together for so long and and that's got to be rough to lose a loved one particularly in the line of work that they're in and she's the one who pulled the trigger at the end correct and so it's like a double triple quadruple whammy for her um but everybody's dealing with it and and connor uh similar to don was dealing with it pretty. i love that the fact that you i think it was you in the last episode that called it about the whole lex and superman dynamic in his personality and it being called out i was like going, well, well oh, that's he, cool he yeah i mean here's a guy that he couldn't solve the problem with his super speed and super reading and super problem solving skills and and some of those skills are also Lex skills and he kind of failed on both fronts. He was really blaming himself for the Lex side of his brain. But even at the end, he couldn't speed in fast enough. And even if he could, what was he going to do? Well, remember, I think he, I think he even stated like uh Superman would have actually saved the day. Would he have? Which, uh, which, which I was actually kind well, of surprised. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're comparing yourself like that, like, I failed, and the thing that I'm comparing myself to never fails. Like it's, yeah. it's which we know is patently false. Yes, but it, in yeah, his it's, eyes, it's a whole thing because, like, he him him blaming his Lex side for like not like like he's innately evil or something, mm-hmm. and what you know prevented himself from something. Like his Lex side is what allowed him to do this at all, right? That's the, the one the that braininess. doing calculations, yeah. 
And, you know, not to throw Dawn under the bus, but if she hadn't pulled the triggers with his super speed, those remaining like five ticks, I think he would have made it. I think he would have made it. Yeah. Yeah. To solve the problem. He would have made it. Yeah. He, he would have made it in time. He would have saved him. But that's the thing about Superboy is he's always got this sort of like chip on his shoulder about being and I don't think it's undeserved. You know, I mean, he is constantly compared to the two people that he's made oh, yeah. up of genetically. And he's kind of taught like. Superman good, Lex bad, like inherently good, Mm -hmm. inherently evil, instead of really focusing on, okay, well, I'm my own person and here's the strengths of Lex and here's the strengths of, you know, Clark. So it's a struggle for him his whole life, but he got this lesson really early on about, you know, the the tribulations of uh, of being a superhero right you know, the, it, the hardship that comes with it and what's interesting is uh, it, uh, paul you just know like connor is is judging himself against superman or, or clark right that's who he's trying to live up to the red boots that mm-hmm. superman fills yeah and the previous episodes and and even somewhat in this barbara's barbara's still trying to live up to jim her father oh yeah dick's trying to live up and be a better batman which you know they talked about in this episode there's so many characters that are trying to live up to someone else that's either their elder or their mentor or their superior or whatever parents man they fuck you up bingo and the thing that's really cool is that's almost kind of like a ongoing theme in regards to any of the titan stories is like they yes. constantly have to live up to their mentors. Yeah, I mean, like Titans, how, how Teen Titans, more than sidekicks. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. that. Yeah, Titans, Teen Titans. They're always trying to like just be more than just the sidekick that yes. a lot of them originated and as. get out of the shadow, as it were. And they even alluded to that, uh, you know, in in the last episode of of um, when when, or I guess it was the the episode where they were looking through the all the different potential robins and and, and dick calls him out like you're just looking for another sidearm right Mm -hmm. and so you have to think that yeah not just in that moment but how many of these characters feel second fiddle and they're always trying to step into the limelight themselves whether that's the right thing to desire or want to be um just be you and so that's an interesting dynamic particularly as as everybody's dealing with this emotional fallout from from hank's death and Connor's taking it out on Gar and is kind of being a complete asshole because Connor doesn't know how to process his feelings. He's still a test tube baby at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. He's still he's still learning how he's, to he's even He's like be. 45 days old he's or something. Days yeah. old. <laughs> so he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of real life experience just yet. And, and he doesn't know how to process those emotions. He's taking them out on Gar. And by the same token, poor Gar, he's obviously hurt by it all. But he's also got to deal with Corey's bullshit. Yep. Like, it's not Corey's fault, but here's a, here's somebody that's basically so, like... Somehow he's always the target. Although, have, even in Doom Patrol. Have you have you guys seen... Have you guys noticed something about Connor? One last thing that I would actually start noticing, especially in this one. The mistakes he makes are almost very Lex-like. You know, Lex always feels he's one step of everybody, but in the end, he comes up short. Why? Because Superman will always outdo him in some way or another at this at this point it's almost like all, all of connor's mistakes that he's made 
since even the if you look at the when he gets first introduced, he's very rash. He he acts before he acts before he thinks, and in a way, it's very Lex like. That's what Lex would do if he's, Lex is pissed. He's going. That's how you. That's how you beat Lex Luthor. You get him angry enough. He makes a mistake. Which how much of that is the writers writing that character so well for those subtleties to exist, or how much of that is the actor understanding that material on the page and understanding the character from the books and being able to bring that to life. It could be both. Yeah. Nothing against the actor, but I'd, I'd like to hope that it is, you know, it is the writers where you have like one side of your personality is like tr- trumping or causing problems for the other side of the personality because the, you know, the, not the evolution, but like the growing up of this character would be like understanding both sides and using them together at the same time mm-hmm. instead of like, like what we saw with him making the, um, the, the deactivator or whatever the fuck, you know, mm-hmm. using the super speed and the brain, just more of that consistently. If only all of us could be so lucky to tap into the dualities of our being, right. Mm-hmm. And, and channel it for something good or be able to control it for something good or positive um it's a really interesting play uh, that they're doing with that with with connor and his story um and i hope to see more of that And, and i hope to see a little bit more of gar wrestling with him trying to figure out how he's going to to fill he's not trying to necessarily live up to a mentor just so much as find his place i i think he is behind the scenes like working on himself he's been like he mentions he's been trying to like hold everybody else together we've seen him like look into various meditations this season started with him like looking (laughs) for other types of predators i think you know at at some point this season we're going to see more than just the tiger finally Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah, I'm, i'm stoked for the progression of his character i just wish they could get him a good wig yeah, it was. It's funny you should mention that. I was thinking about that. Uh, I started rewatching them again because now I'm watching them with Nicole to catch her up, and I noticed that about the episode. Like, is that a wig or is his hair always looks terrible? In my opinion, yeah, there's something weird about the hairline. Lauren, what are your thoughts on hair? I honestly don't have a problem with it. Paul told me that he had a problem with it <laughs> and that he thought his hair looked terrible the whole time, and I really don't think it looks. Bad. It's the I mean, only consistently bad part of the show. I I, I noticed it's not it. even that bad, which means the show's great. Sure, yeah, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but like, also, let's fix it, guys. So it, it, I don't it, think it really needs fixing. Maybe it just needs a different style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe a different style. So you know, I, I put in the notes here because the other thing that's interesting, Dick's always the leader, right? He's he's the leader of the troops. He kind of focuses everybody and points them in a direction. That's his role. And, and, uh, Dove, Dawn, she's, she's like that motherly emotional glue with, you know, with everyone. She's the one that's always the loving, nurturing, caring, even at her, her most fuck you Hank moment when he showed up unannounced, she still turns soft because it's in her nature. It's who she is. And so for her to kind of dip out after this whole death of Hank and say, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to decompress. But she offers to have Dick go with her, you know, because it makes sense because 
the relationship between Dove and uh, Nightwing is she want she doesn't want him to become Bruce, right? Yeah, and yeah, she order, she's also kind of desperate for the understanding of of someone else right yeah. now, mm-hmm. and especially in that scene between her and Dick, it was like uh, you get the sense that she's quitting, she's done. Like if this what the super heroics is what cost her, you know, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And she's willing at this point to walk away. And she, in a, in a lot of ways, just like what you said, it taps into that motherly nature of hers to look at Dick and say, Hey, I don't want you to fall, fall deeper into the hole. You know, come with me. Let's get out of here. Let's leave this. It's almost, it's almost like, um, I couldn't save Hank, but maybe I can save you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why her leaving, part of me feels like Gar is going to turn into that glue. He's not going to be like a motherly type, but he might turn into that rallying point for the team that basically, because if you notice, the way he takes care of, he tries to help out Connor. He tries to help out Corey. It's very kind of like almost early Dove type of character. It reminds me, honestly, of everything we've been talking about over on Superman and Lois with Jonathan. Yeah, they're very similar. He's the he's the you know rock in the. He's turning into the rock of the family. Yeah, and this show has a lot of characters, and so like as much as I don't like losing any of them, whether they're going on vacation or exploding. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) we. We've we've got we've got two characters that we haven't even seen yet this season, right? And Raven I, and and uh, Donna. Yeah, if Donna, if Donna comes right. back. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was in promotional art for the season, so okay. like presumption is there. But I, yes, everything that you said about Gar, I think when Raven eventually comes back too, though, like her and Gar as like a team will yeah absolutely be the glue that just holds everything together and honestly at the end of the day when i think of the titans the main titans in my brain have always been gar raven nightwing Mm -hmm. starfire and yeah he's not in this episode he's not in this series is cyborg yeah and they had to replace cyborg with a couple heroes and that's what i always felt that hank and Hawk and Dove would fill in is that cyborg element. Now you take out the cyborg element. Who's, who's the person that's going to take over that role? Connor. It's, it's, yeah, it's Connor. Connor. A, a character struggling with the duality. Of duality their thing. Connor. And we get a dog too. So we got a big cast yeah. of characters. So, so taking two of them off of the map, probably big loss. It's probably not a bad thing, but I do, you know, again, having rewatched these episodes the last few nights with Nicole, um, I said it, I I enjoy Hank. Like I actually enjoyed him. He, he's kind of like that dude, bro. Um, yeah, everybody who isn't a piece of shit garbage monster liked Hank. <laughs> Fucking David. I so enjoyed he, him blowing up. He's just a. He just that moment again. That moment with him and Dick in the kitchen having that bonding moment. There was just some good brotherly, good old-fashioned brotherly love between two guys that respect one another and care for one another. We're going to get this done, and I'm definitely not going to explode next episode. Right. Chin fucking up. Definitely not. Boom. (laughs) 
So I, I, do you guys think that we might see I, Dove come back? I wish he had said like chin up to Dick like the last time they talked in that episode. Oh, yeah. like a bookender? Yeah. Hmm. But anyway, what what did you just so, say? So Dove, do do we foresee a possibility that she might come back under some strenuous circumstances? I mean, I hope so. I like her and like maybe not even this season, but like no... I haven't read or seen anything about her like not being part of the show anymore. And I feel like there would be articles everywhere. All I've seen is people were questioning or assuming that maybe this means that she's been written off. I mean, obviously Hank exploded, but the the day, (laughs) the day that his, uh, you know, his episode dropped, I saw some interviews with him where he said he was, he was sad to, to leave the role. He was having a lot of fun and it was a fun show to produce, but with the number of people that are on the show as a cast and they keep expanding. I mean, you look to any of the, big budget uh like any of the marvel movies right where we have the whole team yeah it's a lot to take in it's a lot to to track uh but they make it work but here to do that over and over and over and over again day in and day out while they're while they're doing each episode it's a lot to juggle it's a lot to juggle and the problem with the character of dove at this point is hawk and dove since they've been introduced are kind of like they're they're basically a tandem that have to be together mm-hmm. to bring her back is going to be tough. I could see it happening if they continue the relationship between her and Dick Grayson, but Hawk uh, dove without Hawk. It just doesn't seem right. Chem- it, uh, I mean, if, if she goes, if she goes back, you know, she goes to Paris, hangs out for a while, finds her smile. She can like reinvent <laughs> and like she, come back as a whole new character. She, th- that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Paul. She could be somebody else. Um, Let's call her Falcon now. <laughs> it's just a different bird, <laughs> which, be. which there was a funny reference to that, you know, with all the, the different bird names in, in the, uh, the episode that, that we watched you know, last time. But the other big uh, third, if you will, like again, the Corey thing, um, I was surprised with this one. Because yeah. I was really hoping that the the, the flashbacks were going to connect well, they, to the overall story. No, they connected to her sister. They connected to her sister. And I was really surprised that they did that. So I put oh, it at the that end. That part didn't surprise me. I, I put it towards the end, but I'm going to ask it up front. How do you guys feel about this? Do you care about this back story? Okay, I, I, I'm going to jump out in the in the front here and let Do this it. bus run me over if I am like in the wrong. But um, did I did I blink too long and my ears shut off, or do we have like? So the flashbacks led her to find where her sister was. And like, yes. we got there. Cool. And then they go down there and the whole situation is this solo operation dude with the one <laughs> inmate. And like, he explains it all, but yes. nothing is explained. What the fuck is going on? When did the sister get here? Why did she come? How long has she been here? We've got none of that. And then they just. What? No, and she's a property of the U.S. government and some yeah. secret government operation. operation. And she she took over that mom at last season or whatever, right? Was that last season? Yeah, the little yeah. Google. It's hit been her. Yeah, hit her in the neck. Yeah, neck Googles. Yeah, but we, I mean, we don't have how long she's been there, but I assume that's going to come up in conversation like next episode. Well, right? it just it, uh, it's just it's to me it's 
super fucking weird that like none of that came up like hey how long have you been in this cage my sister well especially i i get where you're going paul because like they introduced the character which is dr kind mm. and no connection whatsoever to any characters that i know of so and then what they have the opportunity to actually connect it maybe it was star labs maybe it was that's what i thought they it, were gonna it, do it, i thought they were gonna connect it because we've already been introduced to like an organization that's been you know doing some very nefarious things and and the, the but they just basically say it's just a government agency that's working covertly and, and the, he, the notion is that they are protecting earth by earth. keeping her there so like what threat did she ever present to justify or, doing this right and if that was the case and you're protecting the earth from this all-powerful alien being and you just got this knucklehead scientist and she's in a red box there was no other security measures whatsoever than him running after them saying you can't do that. Oh, yeah. And and, yeah. and with with Corey on Earth and her sister having killed her parents, she's the fucking queen of the planet, right? <laughs> and she's not there and nobody's looking for her. Exactly. Somebody came for Corey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just what is happening with well, she also she also threw a coup. I don't know. I don't have quite as many problems with it because I feel like it leaves enough questions uh, other than the lack of security. I think that was just the the U.S. government uh, being far too confident. <laughs> I, but other than that, I, I think that it leaves stuff for conversation next week because it does. It does. Corey's Corey's main concern wasn't how long her sister had been there. Because probably about as long as she's been having those visions, right? Yeah. Um, and I think her her main concern was like, hey, you're a real bitch. You killed our parents. <laughs> you killed the man that I used to love. Like, I, it, she's pissed off to see her. Well, she knew she, she was like, coming. She almost left her there, right. which like presumably yeah. would have had the visions continuing. Mm-hmm. So like you got to yeah. deal with those in some way. I just, yep. I am profoundly fucking baffled by like this entire situation and very much want like answers and i'm sure well, they'll a, come i'm not worried about it's a that big red flag but the just the way it was presented and unfolded yeah. was fucking weird it, to me it, but only, maybe it, it maybe only, i'm blowing it, it out of proportion no i'm with you paul no. i watched this episode twice and i think i told you last time we spoke i watched it and and i i zoned out during portions of it the first time through because of this backstory of this character arc and i was just i i personally i i liked for the most part i like what the actress is doing with the character yeah um just fine um i like the costumes that she wears i like all that i just don't know how much i care about this now again we took two characters out of the fold and now we're replacing two of them with now blackfire is she going to be a part of the the cast proper and you can't really so, imagine blackfire actually staying with with the titans right. because like it's like that where, where is does she a, go where does she go what do you how do you I keep have, tabs on her i have a very different problem with this whole blackfire okay thing. It, it wasn't so much the um like the the fact that like oh there's just one dude taking care of her and like uh why why did they trap her to begin with it's that she's kind of been hyped up as or or built up to be like an upcoming villain right like last season we were like oh Mm. no blackfire is coming and we know that blackfire is a villain so for her to just come into play as this 
prisoner that needs Corey to break her out. And then Corey breaks her out with no resistance because it's one guy. Okay. And and then she just gets into the car with Corey and like she needed Corey's help. Like, are they just gonna try and reconcile that? Like, what is that? What, what I don't like that's my problem with yeah, it. I expected she, her to come in a like powers a blazing. What I don't she, want what I don't want is two one two or worse three plus episodes of two bitchy sisters fighting like i don't want that she feels like a side quest that you could have beaten the game without doing well that's a good yes and on top (laughs) of of that that. especially since she was first introduced now maybe you guys could correct me if i'm wrong here but like last season when they introduced the idea that blackfire was around it was initial threat to Corey. And yeah. we all, everyone assumed last season that, oh, Blackfire is coming. It's not that she was here, is that she's coming to basically fight Starfire. Yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah. She killed her parents to gain the throne, throne. and Starfire is a loose end. Got to wipe that bitch out too. Yes. And yeah. And then suddenly you take, I wouldn't say a 180, but like a 90 degree turn and suddenly say that, oh, Blackfire has been on earth the whole time. She's just been a prisoner. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think she's been on Earth the whole time, but she's definitely been there for a little while. She just no longer feels threatening. Threatening. You 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 essentially set up the villain last season, and you just took all of her teeth out. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the line that like, because you know, I I imagine the room was like like a Superman room, right? You put him next to a red sun, and his yeah. powers don't work. Get him out of there, and he's good to go. He the the line was that her powers might eventually come back if she wasn't around. Well, and that. same so with like, is she just a fucking lady? Like, what what is this? Yeah, and well, same no, with no, Starfire no. He, because he said it would take a while. Yeah, and Starfire's powers weren't were probably diminished yeah, because were, she was. Were, yeah, and she kind of challenged him. I, Do you want to test that theory? You I know? thought the the way that he phrased it. Yeah, whatever. I'm wrong. <laughs> but the, the way that I picked up his <laughs> phrasing was that, like, she potentially just didn't have powers at all anymore. Well, no, I think the the way it sounded is they will come back, um, but who yeah. knows when. Because and who she knows, was held within right, right that now. room for a while. Mm-hmm. And who knows how strong they'll come back. Will they come back 100% right. or will they come back 150%? A or time yeah, 20%. Could be long-term effects. Yeah. Like erectile dysfunction. And then the, if your powers persist for more than <laughs> <laughs> exactly, call your doctor. The, the biggest question also that dawned on me was like, okay, if she's such a threat, if the guy Doctor Kind was saying she, it, they can't take her out because she's such a threat to Earth, who put her there in the first place? Then was it a major superhero that actually put her there? Because apparently she's so powerful. It has to take. It, it could have been some well, plebs. Whose who's <laughs> shit list are Gar and Corey on now? Yeah, yeah, right. For, well, for he also mentioned. Yeah. He also mentioned that you you shouldn't take her out if she's not unconscious because she's a huge threat while awake. Um, and they did show that they like knocked her out or whatever. I don't think she was expecting anyone but Corey to know that she was coming. But they they clearly were monitoring extraterrestrial stuff mm-hmm. enough to know that something of her entered the atmosphere and she took over a body. Um, and they they monitored, you know, 
probably after Starfire came to the planet and then they saw that she was kicking ass and saving humans. Um, They're like, all right, she's cool. Superhero. Good, good, good. Alignment (laughs) checks out. Um, out. But let's check out her planet. Oh, her sister seems like a real bitch. So (laughs) (laughs) she's on the naughty list. I'll say this. Uh, (laughs) To me, the most interesting part of this entire situation with Corey breaking her sister out and even leading up to it was one, her calling the shrink again and his awesome office. Like that dude's got a pimp office. I want that office. That was more interesting to me. Okay. So not, not to completely derail you, but I, I'm, I'm trying to like visualize it right now. And like, I can't even, because every time, every time she calls him, he's so fucking thirsty that I'm like, dude, like you, you are a doctor and you're trying to bro, be a doctor, bro. right? Like what is, and, and I get he that. He got a little she, nibble, a little taste of that good, good. Can yeah. you blame him? Well, cause can he, you blame he doesn't him? like believe that she's an alien, right? So he, he doesn't, doesn't. And she's saying it but, outright. But does he know that she is like a hero? He does because, mm-hmm. like, like that's kind of cool. Like, I get, I get consistently shooting your shot and trying to get with this, well, this hero. But he lady, didn't know that like, until he saw her on the news, and he's like, "You're a titan, yeah. right?" But yeah, which is why he's all over. Now, I agree. But, like, Look, be a be a professional, bro. He's a professional, but he's no. But the thing is, though, is he's not trying to be a professional for her. He's trying well, right. to date her, he is and he's trying. just offering what compassion he can with like his skill set that he's picked up in his career he's not her therapist but it's a difficult line to straddle yeah and it's sure like he's a dude being a dude i guess sure but it's like he when when he talked to her when he you know when he was hitting on her whatever he he came to her when he gave her his number he was like hey i am a doctor if you ever need to talk about these things you know let me know he was hoping she would just call and bone him but like the, the pretense was like, hey, I am a doctor and I can help you. And whenever she calls him for doctor things, he's like, man, I'd love to smash. Well, but even the, even no, even still, he no, said, no, 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 no. he said, you can I'm call me to this you... man's defense. What was that, Lauren? I'm coming to this man's defense okay. because, no, that's not why he gave her his number. I mean, yes, he wanted to pursue this relationship, but he gave her his number and said, hey, I am a therapist. You know, like I, I am like qualified to talk to you about these things if you right, want. Right, right. But she was just trying to take him on down to Bone Town, and he could tell that she was going through a rough time. And he said, morally, I, like ethically, I can't go through with this with you. I'm sorry. I really want to. You are beautiful. I'm very interested in your personality, but I can't ethically go through with this because you're clearly going through something, and I would love to be there for you. Well, also, now, just to throw some defense on for the guy too. I mean, technically, didn't we establish last season that? Tamaranians kind of exude this weird aura that affects people in a sexual way. Because remember, in last season, she was boning everybody. <laughs> she, that's that's and fair. Everyone, and everyone under the sun was was more than happy to to Mike, find Mike their is. way I, with, I, with Starfire. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that that's a Tamaranian thing. I think that's specifically the fact that she looks like a model and dresses like a streetwalker, like. <laughs> which we support yes, yeah it's fine support. but like she's gonna get attention <laughs> right she's yeah she, for sure yeah she's putting out some signals so so that yeah. was the one thing for me was i was more interested in 
Lauren brings up some some really good points, but I was more interested in his office and the fact that the deprivation chamber was a tanning bed and not an actual deprivation chamber. (laughs) (laughs) That was a tanning bed. Let's be honest. So like an industrial strength, superhuman tanning bed. Yeah, exactly. What does Bruce Bruce need need that? that? That's what the, exactly, Paul. You got the same. Just like, I had. does he have this so that his friends can use it? Yeah, that's what I'm like. like wait a minute. Why does Bruce need it? Because he doesn't have super strength. He doesn't have superpowers. I, I don't know, but I was hoping that she would come out of it like with an orangish hue. Hmm. You know, <laughs> that would have been nice, but we didn't get that. So, um, I'm gonna throw in a real quick break, and then when we come back. We're going to get into like the meaty fun stuff. And we're back. So this is the the part that should grab everyone's attention of this episode. The the whole Dr. Crane. Um, that was so, getting, was so good. Getting. Well, first of all, dude tries to shank him and he somehow has enough spryness in him to fend off that Arkham guard and. Kind of beat ass, maybe the, the the dude, the dude who was gonna shank him was like a janitor tier dude, and, and also as we later discover, potentially a plant anyway. So yeah. agreed, but still on face value, the fact that Doctor Crane had the skills up his sleeve that he did was a little surprising, particularly since we know that on any given moment he's probably high as fuck. Um, but should it be a surprise though? Because this is one of Batman's. Most notorious villain, but I don't see Scarecrow as someone who's a physical person. Well, he's, he's a mental person. He's typically portrayed as pretty wiry, though, and any wiry individual that I have ever met is difficult to get your hands on. And plus, it's kind of like <laughs> even I don't though, know where to take that, but okay. <laughs> and plus, I have I'm, never tried to kidnap any of my friends from their home during the summer while they were playing video games. But I did fail. That's awfully <laughs> specific. But like, also on top of that, you have to figure while he is brilliant, that's his main weapon. Yeah. He's been in many fist fights with Batman. So, okay. He's had to have actually have some physical care, physical. He can dodge at least one strike. One strike. Okay. And it's from Batman. I, <laughs> I think also, I mean, he is alone in prison but if you're a a supervillain or you know something of the like and b in prison you do probably have to keep your wits about you and you do probably also during your outside time need to make sure that you're at least trying to be good at defending yourself you never know when someone else's hit is going to come in that's, um, that's he true was, he was ready for that if if i mean if we're going to nitpick shit he was in Arkham. He's not even in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't yeah. get outside time. Him being outside of his cell is like, I don't that's even know true. why that happened. Yeah, that's very odd that but, that even happened. Know. Maybe he had to take a deuce and they didn't have yeah. the means in his cell. It, it was a weird kind of plot hole to be sure. Um, but him almost getting shanked leads them to transferring him to Blackgate. I refuse to believe that Blackgate is safer than Arkham. I know that like Arkham has bigger threats, but they're not after each other. There is no way Blackgate is safer. Oh no, I no. agree a yeah. wholeheartedly. Actually, wait a minute. Just to do the trick. Just to throw this out there, Blackgate is technically on an island. So I mean, yeah. 
technically it is safe. No, depending on the map, Arkham is on an island. Correct. And and to Paul's point, what what I think Paul is saying is it's not a matter of locale safety. It's a matter of the population of the people in the locale that's more of a risk. The the criminally insane are less of a threat to each other than the criminals. The criminals. Right. Right. Like, you don't... uh, well, who would you rather? Ar- Arkham you- is theoretically a place for healing, um, whereas prison is like a <laughs> can to fill with naughty boys. It's but prison. Paul, think of like all the all the rose gallery that's in Arkham. Yeah, you, but they're, not, you fucking, they're to- not fucking with each other. The the people they who would switch. have malice, people who would have malice, like Penguin, is like ah fuck that guy who is also does crimes. They're sending him to Blackgate. They're not putting him in. Uh, yeah, right. The people I would see in Blackgate are, are Zaz or and Bane and. Uh, you think I would be thinking Zaz Zaz and Bane would be in Arkham? I wouldn't put him in Arkham. I put him in Zaz, maximum Zaz security. Might, confinement. Zaz will get a good therapist, but he's probably still going to be Blackgate. I'd put him in Blackgate. Him at Blackgate. No, See, I've always, I've always figured all of Batman's notorious rogues gallery—they're all in Arkham. I think that's where we've been. Most of them. I think that's what we've been led to believe throughout the history of Batman. But if I'm doing my due diligence as a law enforcement official and a uh, like healthcare see, like, professional, <laughs> being kept in kept in Blackgate. Yeah, you know, like the organized crime. Yeah. And yeah. you have a point, like Penguin. Sure. People, people whose crimes are crimes go to Blackgate. People whose crimes are like domestic terrorism go to Arkham. Arkham. Yeah. And that's what. That's why I was like thinking: is like, what's scarier? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Arkham I think would be though, a scarier like, place to be, but it'd be safer. What, what was that, Lauren? Nothing. It doesn't matter. No, it does. She said something about Zaz. Say it. No, I think I think Zaz, like because he was brought in as a as a reference here um, of like who goes where. I think, for instance, like I don't think Zaz has like a personality disorder. I think he's just like a bad dude that needs a therapist rather than like a psychiatrist, and uh, he just likes to do murder. <laughs> right. He's just batshit crazy. He's he's just a murder boy, you know. Like he's he's he's, he's a bad a psycho- guy. He's and a probably a sociopath, and yeah, and a psychopath. But he's not like he's not like. He doesn't have these ideas of grandeur that, like, the Joker does or right. someone else. So, so, yeah, I think I think some of them definitely go to Blackgate. That's, so what, that's where I stand. So what's interesting, again, having rewatched the episodes and seeing all the stuff that we were talking about with, with Jason kind of taking these bits and pieces of these different villains of the rogues gallery and kind of turning them into this this ultimate uh, villain archetype of of red hood um this whole thing kind of played out like a chess move a grand chess move of i'm gonna plant somebody to shank him he's gonna get transferred dick's going to rescue him because that's or air quotes rescue that's dick's nature to come in and thieve him up and take him to a cabin in the woods where bruce trained us i mean like there's a lot to that plan where where then i can scoop him up instead of scooping him up at this point and like yes it's all like it's it's such a i know what you're going to do so i make my plan i know how you're going to counteract my plan and then i know how to continue my plan from what you do to try and stop it it's nuts it's nuts that he could think that many chess moves out and every single 
move played exactly how Jason knew that it would. What was interesting was once once Dick gets him out there, you know, we start to the conversation between Dick and and Crane as it goes on and on. It's clear for sure Jason has spilled all the tea. Yeah, there, there is a lot. In the, in that conversation, not just specifically what Jason has told Crane, but like for the show, there is a lot of like kind of story spilled out right there. A lot of things revealed. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was interesting how it was revealed because it came through Crane um, calling these things out to Dick like I know this. And, and it was almost him playing shrink towards Dick. And it felt to me very much like an homage to Seven and how that played out with the killer in that movie uh, with Brad Pitt as the cop. Like there was just some kind of subtle homage in my mind watching it. Like It, it was very well done and it, it makes you it makes me want to see more of Crane, which I hope we do because his dumb ass ran into the halo bubble shield and got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> And, and so now, you know, Dick goes back in. Where's the guy at? He's he's not in he's not in the house. Well, did yeah. you look the perimeter? Well, that that was a little bit confusing to me because, like, we saw him out there fucking around in the jacket, like being the distraction. Was he not actually supposed to be out there? Did that just work out for Dick? No, I think I think he was expecting. Um, I think he was expecting Jason to fall back into cover with Crane. Well, and so, when he saw neither of them in there, he was like, oh, fuck. Well, I think what Paul might be asking is when Crane went out to do that, you know, yeah, obviously yeah. Jason, Jason was eyeballs on on Crane thinking that's Dick. Mm -hmm. What was Crane actually doing? Why? No, was, I think that was Dick's plan. He was a decoy. He said, oh, hey, oh, OK, I see what you're saying. I'm going to because because he did say right before. um Right before or right after the perimeter was breached, right? He said, we have to get you cleaned up. Company is coming. That's and he was, right. you know, cutting his ties and stuff. So he was clearly putting him in that outfit. So that was the uh, one moment there. That was the one moment where Jason didn't see that yes. particular chess move, but still was able to counteract it. And that that fight sequence between the two of them was Awesome. And again, straight out of the games, when he starts flipping around and he's pulling the triggers on both those, well, even just trying to shoot the rifle and that didn't work out, but just wielding both of those pistols and just it's slow motion and Dick dodging every round. Fucking awesome. <laughs> I, so cool. Uh, there's a couple of things there that really stood out to me. Um, it like, even the sound effects of his sticks sounded so cool. Um, but but the big thing for me is less choreography and more just like the writing of the fight. Okay. Yeah. At, yeah. The, at the moment that Dick like screams at Jason, you told him everything. Mm -hmm. Like that's the moment. I, I'm sorry, but it almost feels like that hurt him more than him killing Hank. I like, think you're he's right. used to people dying. He's used to, you know, the bad guy killing someone or hurting someone that he loves. It's not that he thinks Hank is, you know, disposable. It's just that he's 
kind of shielded shielded himself to that. He's not used to the family secrets getting out. And that is the biggest betrayal. That's the moment that Jason is the Red Hood and no longer Jason. Boom. That's it right there. And and, and I want to add to that, Lauren, because we we know, and I thought about this when Hank showed up in the Batcave and he said, I pedaled as fast as I could. It's like every motherfucker knows how to get into this place. So there's a lot of people that know about Bruce, know about the family, know all these secrets, but to Lauren's point, this was all all the details were spilled to somebody not just outside of the family, not just to another super outside of the family, but this was spilled to arguably one of the worst of the rogues gallery that you could spill it to because he yeah. is a, a, a pretty intelligent psychological mind. Where, what, what fallout are we going to see from this, especially if Dick can't find Crane outside and Crane escapes? Are we fucked? Yeah. Well, especially since I mean, Crane is you, with Jason. They they just went off wherever. But that's yeah, what we're sure. we're, you, we're assuming, right? So when you think about like Scarecrow as a character, mm-hmm. he is probably the most dangerous Batman villain out of his rogue, rogues gallery because, in a lot of ways, Scarecrow's power is the same as Batman's. Batman uses fear to control the criminals. Mm-hmm. Who's the master of fear among his rogues gallery? And that was another interesting point when Dick and him yeah, were, were going I back and that. forth. He called out that, he, that you guys were all brought to this cabin. You were all driven based on your fear. And he put like the, the subtext in that entire dialogue and back and forth. Yeah. I mean, essentially right. Crane was trying to tell Dick Bruce is just as bad as I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah it's the the two sides of the same thing where you know bruce is like okay what are you afraid of let's beat that so you're afraid of nothing and you know scarecrow is like well what are you afraid of okay now i know how to beat you and yeah and while dick dick like counters that argument with like well you know here's where we come to defeat our fears we have no weakness mm-hmm. but like you know, all of that is part of the conversation where, like, I I was concerned that, like, Dick is saying too much. Like, there's the illusion that maybe Scarecrow might kind of think he's Nightwing, but, like, we haven't come out and said that yet. And then we realize that, like, Scarecrow has known all of this, so Dick stops pulling punches and he's just saying, like, this and this and this. Yeah. And, like, that that is a fear. Like, that, That's that the fear. family secrets are out. That Boom. is a fear. And that is a fear that can't be beaten no that is a fear that scarecrow has in his fucking pocket and he can play it well the 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 coolest the coolest thing too though that kind of was a glimmer of hope was that one scene where dick looks at him and it's one of my favorite lines of the whole thing where he says i shouldn't have been afraid of the wolf the wolf should be afraid of me right Right. yes and and i think i think the big thing is that he was he was taking what crane was saying and he was realizing in that moment this is all happening while crane's talking to him and stuff it's he's realizing that crane knows he knows everything he knows so he has to let crane think that he's playing him let him think that he's manipulating him and and showing him oh no daddy was a bad man it's not your fault when really he's underestimating dick because dick is able to come back and say listen i'm honestly proud of of this you know yes bruce may have sucked yes he may have manipulated us and and treated us in ways that children shouldn't have been treated but i won't betray him because at the end of the day good or bad 
what he did is what he did, and I'm proud to be a part of this. I'm happy with where I am and, and the, who I am. And the weird part, I hope they play with this because you can tell that Jason, that's the thing he could never get over. He can't, his characteristic can't get over. And a lot of ways at this point, now Jason, while he's for the past three episodes, he's been kind of like leading the Titans at this point. When, when Dick confronts crane, I was like going, this is where Jason basically has to now be on his back foot because he sees that Dick, he's not afraid of him. I, <laughs> he's not I, afraid. I think that was a Batman move. I think Dick felt like it he was? was, he was losing the room. So he, he, he said a one liner to like scare crane. And while, you know, he, it's accurate and true. I think crane still has the upper hand having the family secrets. I, oh, I yeah, think that yeah. is still yes. a terror but, for Dick. But I think that, Part of me feels that wasn't aimed at Crane, though. It was aimed no, at it Jason. Was. It was. Because here's yeah, the thing. To, he, to was, he was losing the room, yeah. but but at the same time, the most fear that he could instill into Crane is to make him see or make him believe that Dick is willing to do what Bruce is willing to do. It, well, and and, you know... He's he needs he's willing to, be, to become Bruce. Yes, but he needs to be a better Bruce, a better Batman. Better and, we, Batman. and who yeah. knows what that's going to equate to, particularly with family secrets out out in the open with this kind of person. One thing that stuck out to me, um, besides just the beautiful kind of poetry of the whole fear as a theme, you you called it, uh, Paul, from like that very opening scene of the first episode with Jason taking the antihistamine of anti-fear um, and just having fear just kind of thread its way through each of these episodes ever so subtly until we get to this one and it becomes a major theme. What are we going to see down the road? Uh, but w- what stuck out to me is the timing of this. You know, we talked about in episode one, it felt very rushed that we had the death of Jason so quickly uh, so out of nowhere left field i mean we knew it was coming because of the trailers but it came out of nowhere the whole thing played out super quickly in that first episode and then everything subsequent to that played out really quickly um our timing here the way that the the timing of events is happening it, it makes you scratch your head because we still don't know how jason came back and how long had jason been talking to crane and spilling the tea to crane is this something that just happened in a very short window of time or is this something that he had been doing for quite some time since we left him in season two um and almost falling to his death um he didn't just suddenly know how to make anti-fear toxin so there's a lot more exploration there but i don't want to get that derailed by blackfire and that's a concern i have um i mean this in this episode, I think I think the Blackfire content we got was like confusing nonsense. Um, but but that said, the the chunk of episode that was Blackfire didn't take away or hamper the uh, the effectiveness and the the story playing out of the you know the Red Hood Scarecrow Dick part of it. Yeah. So as long as like pacing continues this way and the blackfire parts of episodes get significantly better i'm i'm not worried i think you know i think we can do both of these things and you know theoretically they'll twist together at some point somehow because somehow. that's how shows work yeah. right so yeah we'll we'll see i think 
I think in a sense, um, in a sense, it kind of wrapped up a little bit because it took away the part of Corey's character and story right now that was really making her ineffective as someone who could join the fight against Red Hood. Mm. And this week, Dick, I mean, it it also didn't take away from the Dick thing because and, and Red Hood and Crane because Dick did the one other most Batman thing he could do, which is not tell anyone what he's doing and go off and try and handle something completely and himself. And, and keeping and keeping family business, family business for, yeah. for yeah. this, because this became personal. And also be told he should take a break and immediately not take a break. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, totally. I won't do that. Everything he did was very learned Bruce behavior. Well, so even down I mean, to the point that he shuts is. out Barbara. Yeah. Automatically. Yeah. Like Dick... Dick is Bruce's son through and through. He always is, yeah. always has been. So let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll do the final thoughts. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. And we're back. So, Lauren, since you were last giving your thought, what are your final thoughts? It's always me. Um, Ladies first. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with an eighty. Eighty six. I'm gonna go with an eighty six. I think everything with Dick and Scarecrow and. Red Hood, that was all amazing. It was all so good. There was so much care given to those characters, especially Dick this week. Um, he's really he's really becoming more like Bruce than I think Bruce ever really wants him to become <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, he I think he thinks he wants Dick to to be like him, but then goes, Oh no, wait. Um and I think that all of the Blackfire stuff was yeah, a little bit of a mess. And I'm glad to see the erratic visions wrap up for Starfire. Um, yeah, I agree. But I think, I, yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of a, I think maybe cleanup session that needs to happen at the beginning of next episode. <laughs> yep. David, real quick, we got about five minutes or less. Uh, the score I gave this one, I'm a little lower than Lauren because like the Blackfire stuff, to me kind of derailed the episode. Mm-hmm. So I gave this one at 82. I like everything. Don't get me wrong. I, I agree with Lauren. I mean, all the Batman, all the Nightwing crane and Jason stuff was chef's kiss. It was perfect. Okay? I agree. But when you have something that 
another story because you said it in the last episode. The fear is if they do two separate stories, one story is going to derail the other. The Blackfire stuff, I'm hoping, Paul, you're right, that basically it'll get better as we go along. The writers of, of Titans have earned that respect. I think we're going to actually get better with Blackfire. However, just with this episode, you could tell that it really derailed the, the momentum of the story that is their myth arc right now. And it could be very concerning if they bring back in Raven and Donna exactly. too soon. It could be an even how worse. Does, how do they derail. fit into this? How does Raven and Donna now fit into yeah. this? Because if they're if they're you're not going to bring them tied in with the Nightwing story, then it's either a separate other story or it's tied to the Blackfire story. Yep, agreed. So I'm going to go next just because Lauren and David summed up all of my thoughts perfectly. So I'm only going to give it an 84, which is unfortunate. I've been rating the last several really high. And if this was just the focus of everything, but then it would be stars across the board. But yeah. Paul, what about you? Um, I mean, yeah, we, we hit pretty much everything worth talking about at this point, right. With, uh, everything that was good. Um, I, f- I feel like I'm confident that we're past the the worst with Blackfire because from this point, like, you know, they took her, they're out there. So like everything is going to be like exposition or dealing with or whatever from here. I, the, the clusterfuck of a situation that was like, why are you here? How long have you been here? What's going on? What's what, what is any of this? <laughs> I think all we can do is either completely ignore it, but the story's still going to move forward or we'll get those answers and the story's still going to move forward uh, because, because they're out and they're literally together in a car. So yeah. I am, I'm looking forward to where this goes and what happens from here. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a, a big pill to swallow this episode. So I'm going to do an 83. Okay. So we're all really close in alignment there. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of DC on RMD Titans edition. You can always check us out on, on any of the podcast networks, DC on RMD.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, DC on RMD, and we will check you guys later. Who are you bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. Now it's less.